You are listening to Three Moves Ahead, the official podcast of FlashOfSteel.com. I am your host, Troy Goodfellow, and with me today is one of my regular panelists, a freelance writer and blogger for Fidget.com on the Sci-Fi channel, uh, my good friend, Mr. Tom Chick. How are you this evening, Tom? I'm, I'm good, Troy. Can I get you any coffee? No, I have a large goblet of wine here. I think I'm going to be fine to get through the night if the splitting headache doesn't knock me down first. Wait, a goblet? Wow. Well, it's a very big glass, but it's full enough that I can call it a goblet. And, and also, real quick, uh, before, we, uh, before we move on to more substantial business, which is really cool today, by the way. I'm really excited about this. Uh, there's no longer any such thing as the Sci-Fi Channel. I'm not sure if you got the memo, but these days it's called SIFI. SIFI. Actually, sci-fi, S-Y-F-Y. I, it's just part of corporate culture, as I'm expected to, I guess, know that and correct people. <laughs> but it's still pronounced sci-fi. It's still a channel. Correct, yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you care so much about your employers. Yeah, you're contractually uh, obligated to correct you. So. <laughs> you're a terrible henchman. I am, aren't I? Uh, yeah, Tom, this is an exciting show when I've wanted to do for a while, and a lot of it was just an issue of getting the planning organized and decided who I wanted on this show, uh, because I think it's an issue that, you know, you and I have certainly talked about and written about before, and that is the, the gaming gender gap, and I've always been particularly interested in the strategy gaming gender gap. From where I sit, strategy games have, you know, targeted men and male interests, and have been on enough, you know, war gamer forums full of post pictures of the hot soldier babe threads, and I'm certainly not kidding about that, like how hot the Israeli soldiers are, to wonder if there's something uh, uh, about strategy games and war games that is male-focused, is this just the internet, uh, and can strategy games do something to attract more women, or am I just a moron, which is entirely possible. So I have a, the easy thing to do would be to get you know a uh, one female panelist on here with us, but that's hardly fair, so I got three of my favorite uh female writers, two from Computer Games Magazine back in the day, and a very good friend of mine. I want to start with uh, welcoming uh, Lara Krieger to the podcast. People who read CGM probably remember her society in gaming features, which were my favorite parts of the magazine in its waning years. Uh, Lara, you're still oh, a freelance writer? Larry will get you everywhere. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, I am. I am still a writer. Um, and you're uh, a major part of the Gamers with Jobs contingent in one way or another. That's actually where I got my start. Don't write for them quite as often as I used to, but uh, you know, every now and then I'll pop my head in. And, and whenever Julia has his RabbitCon podcasts, you're always there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, that's always a really fun, a fun couple of days there. Get lots of my strategy gaming in there. Also from CGM uh, Computer Games Magazine's distant past, we have Tiffany Martin, who was the copy editor there and occasional reviewer and previewer. And she now writes her own blog at cake-pie.com, and she started uh, doing some volunteer work for combo.com. Tiffany, thank you for coming. Sweet. Hey, yeah, thanks for having me, uh, Troy and Tom. And uh... Our third panelist is uh, my very good friend, hailing from my absolute favorite city on Earth, where I spent uh, many, many happy years. Uh, Jen Cutter was one of the earliest, well, one of the early video game uh, bloggers in Open Alpha TV. It was a frequent appearer, uh, appearer presenter on Canadian television, uh, including with Leo Laporte on Call for Help and also Canada G4 Tech TV. And Open Alpha will be uh, resuming uh, sometime in the near future, right, Jen? 
Yeah, that's quite an intro there. I think you hit everything I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> what, everything? All right, fine. So you haven't included my stage stuff, but everything gaming-related is there. Yes, we haven't included all your wonderful stage work. Uh, so, ladies, I'm so glad you could all come here to talk about the, the gender gap in strategy gaming, and though male podcasters and games journalists never have to do this, for some reason, every time I read a female blogger's intro, they feel they have to establish their bona fides in gaming. Uh, which I think is ridiculous and stupid, but traditional. But what I'm going to ask is, what games are you playing right now? So we can give our people, or the genres you're into right now the most, so we can give our listeners an understanding of where you're coming from. Because they know Tom's history, they know Julian's history, they know Bruce's, and they're coming to know Rob's. So let's run run down the list. Who wants to speak sure. first? Go ahead, Laura. Well, well I'll start. Um, as far as... Uh Video games go. I'm not really playing a lot of strategy video games. Um, I, you know, I ran through the Uncharted games over Christmas. That's about as <laughs> it's not quite along the lines of strategy. But um, you know, as far as board games go, my husband and I have been kind of crushing through a, a new collection that we got for for Christmas of Hanukkah or Kristallnacha, whatever you want to call it. Um, really, Any, what? Anything interesting? Well, we've got uh, Twilight Struggle, which uh, is actually borrowed from Julian. We still haven't gotten a chance to play, but um, Dominion, we picked that up, which is fabulous, as everybody knows. Um, Small World, uh, Endeavor, that's huge. We love that game. That's great. Um, I could keep going all night. Oh, that, that, I, know, I know you could. You're a board game vet, and that's something you do, we do want to get. I do want to get to later the crossover between board games and strategy games. So it's uncharted series for you right now. Yeah, as far as uh, video games go, it's it's mostly uncharted and the new Mario game. Um, oh, and and Spirit Tracks, the uh, the new Zelda um, Zelda game for the DS. Okay, Tiffany, what are you um, playing right now? I took a few notes while Lara was talking because I was like, oh, yeah. That is. Um, for board games, who doesn't play Saddlers of Catan? I mean, everybody oh, yeah. still plays that game. Um, I mean, I play whatever my friends happen to have. I mean, I had a whole bunch of stuff, and I just don't know where I put it when I moved, and I'm really too lazy to go through all my boxes. So it's like, yeah, my friends have enough stuff. Um, let's see. I was just talking to you guys about a new roguelike called Powder. Well, it's not really new. It's been around for like 10 years or something, but... It's gotten some popularity now that it's on uh, the Homebrew channel on Wii. And uh, let's see, you can get it on any platform for the computer, which is pretty sweet. Borderlands, um, how, how about that Borderlands? Still playing it. Um, also just picked up Bayonetta. And uh, if anybody knows anything about um, the console gaming, the, the Bayonetta is the game. It's pretty much what Devil May Cry wanted to be if it mated with God of War. And then had a really hot Sarah Palin look-alike. But you know what? She turns into a panther. And I'm pretty sure that even if Sarah Palin could slay a panther with her bare hands, she couldn't turn into one. So there's, there's a plus. And then the girl game I've been playing recently, because everyone always wants to call these girl games. Um, it's Room Factory Frontier. It's one of the Harvest Moon type of games. Only this one you can actually go and kill stuff, which is a lot more satisfying for me because I really do love to kill things in, in video games. In real life, there's things like laws and jail, so you can't really do that. <laughs> yeah, here in the podcast, we just call those Tom Chick games. What? That's not fair. Tom does not get to have all of those games under his name. That's just unfair. 
<laughs> Actually, I'm with you, Tiffany. I love the Harvest Moon series, and it was nice to finally include a little bit of violence in a Harvest Moon, wasn't it? And it's not the first time they've done it. They made the ones on the DS, the Rune Factory of Fantasy Harvest Moon 1 and 2, and I think 3 is coming out here soon. Um, so having the Wii version is actually it's a lot better. Obviously, the graphics are better, but the gameplay is quicker. There's a lot more hot chicks to marry, if you're into that thing, and uh, lots of killing. And that's the part that I really go for, the killing. And I, I know that we, uh, we want to talk about strategy gaming, but after we uh, hear from Jen about what she's playing, mm-hmm. I would love to talk to you guys about Bayonetta, because I, uh, uh, I have some serious questions about Bayonetta and how you guys feel about it and why you feel that way about it. Uh, but we can get to that later. Absolutely. So, I'd love to. You can throw that on. Absolutely. Um, so, Jen, you're playing these days? I, it actually took Borderlands to cure me of my Ghostbusters addiction. And so I've kind of been rotating between Borderlands, uh, both Assassin's Creed, I just got Batman Arkham Asylum, and next on my list is actually Cross Edge for the PS3, which is a tactical uh, role-playing game with characters from Dark Talkers and a whole bunch of NIS games, so it should be crazy. Is, is that out, Jen? What, what is that again? Uh, Cross Edge. I actually bought it a while ago because I knew it was going to be one of those limited release things. Is that an and, Atlas game, or who who publishes that? Uh, let's see. Uh, I think it's NIS America, really. Okay, NIS. I confuse them and Atlas all the time, and it's called. Well, Cross they used to work Edge. together, kind of. Okay. Cross Edge. And yeah. uh, let's see. Oh yes, and Rise of Nations. How could I forget that? Thanks to Troy, I have Rise of Nations, and I've been learning how to play that very slowly. And we'll talk about that towards the end of the show, Jen's adventures uh, in Rise of Nations. Uh, so let's just open up with the question, am I a moron? Is there a gender gap in strategy gaming, or is this all in my head? Yeah, my I'm probably the least, uh, least capable person of answering that, because the last strategy game I played was Caesar 2 on the PC, and I was in grade school when that came out, and that was it. I didn't even turn on the combat. I kind of used it as a city sim, which is weird because I don't like SimCity. And then I ignored the genre right until you reintroduced me to it. I think it kind of depends on what you mean by strategy game. You know, when I, I first think of that question, I'm thinking, you know, war games. It's very military sim sort of style of games. But that's kind of very narrow. If you think of it, The Sims is a strategy game. Um, even something like Ingenious, you could argue that is a strategy game. Um, you could argue, like, The Settlers of Catan. Um, the for the Xbox, mm-hmm. uh, that port, that's a strategy game. So you know it depends. If you're asking if there's a gender gap with women playing, um, you know, Panzer General or uh, you know one of those really obscure reenactment of Civil well, War battles. How how, yeah. how how about the Dawn of War? How about Starcraft? How yeah, about yeah. I mean those aren't obscure. Uh, no, they're not. Um, Dawn of War um, is definitely a strategy game. It's based on a strategy game. It is totally a strategy game. I love Dawn of War, by the way. And I think that a lot of people really haven't had a chance to play it because if they did, they'd stop playing StarCraft, unless they're Korean. <laughs> but, you know, to be fair, it's professional gaming there, so it's more lucrative, I think, um, than Dawn of War. But that is a heck of a game, and the balance is fantastic. Uh, and all of the uh, expansions great and, and standalones too so even if you don't have the original game and you don't want to buy it on ebay or amazon you just get one of the expansions and they're great personally i like it better than starcraft and i'm sure i'm gonna get hate mail or you're gonna get hate mail about me troy but uh yeah 
I'm dissing the StarCraft. Well, one of the things that I'm curious about is, uh, Laura, I noticed you mentioned a lot of board games in terms right. of what you, you're playing. And there, there's that social aspect of board gaming that you don't get with much computer gaming that's face-to-face across a table. But then when you think about the gameplay, it's actually very similar to turn-based strategy games, um, to, to the genres that we talk about on this podcast that we traditionally don't think of as something that's as gender equal as other genres. You know, you guys have all mentioned, uh, like, Borderlands, you know, women play shooters. That's not unusual anymore. Um, So I'm curious, Laura, does that board game mechanic, as far as what you like, carry over to computer games, or are you just playing that for the sort of the social interaction that you get from it, regardless of the mechanics? Well, you know, I I thought about that before the podcast, and and, because I really don't play a lot of strategy computer games. I don't have war. I, I played StarCraft for about two hours, got bored, and to go play something else. I mean, that's the limit of my love of RTS games. I, I liked Gal Civ, um, but, you know, that was that was an outlier. Um, and yet, I will sit down happily for seven hours with a couple of friends and crush through back-to-back games of Risk and Endeavor and Metropolis and, and all sorts of things, and you know, I think the reason for me, and I'm not speaking for anyone else of my gender here, but the reason for me that I like board games over, um, you know, strategy computer games is that it, it gives it uh, kind of a face. It becomes about me and my friends playing the games versus, uh, you know, just some abstract thing that I'm doing. There's, I'm dealing with people. I'm having fun with my friends. It's not just about the mechanic, it's about the experience. Does, does that make sense? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Laura, Which I bet you're good at poker. What? I bet you're good at poker. I'm terrible at poker. What? <laughs> you like to see people in the eye. I bet you, you'd be great at it. I, well, I, I'm a I terrible liar. <laughs> oh, then you're, you're done. <laughs> you can't win. <laughs> um, <laughs> but what, do you, what do you think? What do you, how, what's your opinion on it, Tiffany? This is really weird. I think I said something to Troy about this in an email. Um, when I first started playing um, computer games, because I, I played a lot of console games as a child, because it was always, beg, 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 we want this console for Christmas. Mom and Dad would be like, great. This way we don't have to buy them anything else. So they'd buy us a whole bunch of, you know, um, console stuff, and we'd be like, so happy. We'd be like, yeah, we, we tricked Mom and Dad. We got the new, you know, Nintendo game. And, you know, they'd be like, ha, 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 we tricked the kids. But then when I finally got into computer games, I played stuff like Master of Magic, and then I played Command and Conquer, Sacrifice, the Civ games, Heroes of Might and Magic, and I was like, oh, these are cool, these are really fun. You can, like, move these people around and control everything and build stuff up. I'm like, these are chick games, because <laughs> girls, must, girls must love these games. If there are any girls out there like me that are playing computer games right now, these have got to be their games, because I'm thinking about it, and I'm like... You know, you can you can have the nesting instinct thing. I mean, I know this is all culture bound, so believe me. I mean, I'm looking at this from that outside perspective of isn't that isn't that unusual? But you know, you've got you've got building, you've got commanding, you've got you know cleverness, and we all know us women, we're very clever. So you're moving your men around, you're commanding them to do stuff, you're letting them die, you're laughing, it's funny, and you're you know you're commanding and, and defeating things. I just I figured that was the shit game. And then when I got into a more social atmosphere, you know, high school, college, I started realizing not only did girls not really play games, but the ones that did 
played very different games than me. I knew some girls played FPS games before it was really cool. I played, like, Counter-Strike with these girls, and, you know, it was pretty fun. But now it's like I'm really starting to see a lot fewer that play strategy. I mean, every once in a while you'll get a girl that's played Civ or Rise of Nations, but, but it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty much, I think, the smallest margin of females to males of any genre I can think of. I have had a very different experience. <laughs> um, I, I didn't mean to step over uh, a review. No, that's cool. Go for it. Jen, but, um, you know, I, I've had a completely different experience. Whenever I ran into a girl who was a gamer, they were um, you know, Age of Empires. They were playing Caesar IV. They were playing, you know, Civilization. They were they were playing these games that you're, you're listing off. And yep. um, I think for the exact reasons that you, you just listed. Um, and that I was the one who was kind of the the outlier in that I didn't like those games and I, I, I got bored by them. So I, I would say that there's at least, you know, we're, we're weighing anecdotal evidence against anecdotal evidence here, but, um, you know, my experience has been quite the opposite. She's just hoarding all of the cool chicks over there. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, we, we have a great test bed here because uh, Jen has recently been introduced to Rise of Nations, which I think, from my perspective, uh, my own limited perspective, and, and Tiffany, you mentioned that we think of a lot of these things as culture-bound. I mean, when you first came to these, you thought, yeah, chicks would dig these kind of games, and then you sort of realize that that's not always necessarily the case. These tend to be the games that I, for instance, I personally think of real-time strategy games as appealing to the type of play that boys enjoy, and I mean boys in the sense of, of young men. When we're kids, you know, we play with action figures and we make them fight wars. That's like a boy thing. And, and to me, real-time strategy games appeal to that, that element of my, my male makeup, you know, that, that, that boy in me that likes to watch little armies march around and, and shoot each other. I think of that as boy stuff. And the, the building up is strictly ancillary. That, that just leads to giving you more armies to fight each other. Uh, so I would be curious, Jen... Uh, Troy, if I'm not mistaken, has mm -hmm. introduced you recently to Rise of Nations, and it's your first look at it. As a grown woman, can you describe for us a little bit about what that felt like, coming to that kind of gameplay? Well, first of all, I'm stunned that there's a Caesar four. That's how long I've been of that whole <laughs> genre. Uh, but it's been very interesting and educational, and I get my butt kicked a lot, which is surprisingly fun, because even though I'm losing, and in the beginning losing horribly, it's not enough to turn me off the genre. I keep returning because there's always something new. There's all the different countries to take part in. And, wow, uh, build orders are important. All those things I'm learning. Libraries, doesn't matter if you have a huge army, if your slingers are going up against tanks. So that, that was a pretty embarrassing uh, loss right there. And, and does that feel, though, like, am I sort of off base by saying, hey, that's something that boys like? I mean, do you, do you as a woman, find much appeal in that, uh, in, in building up slingers and fighting tanks and whatnot? Uh, that's kind of a tough question. For me, myself, I'm scatterbrained at the best of times. And I find this <laughs> game requires a lot of attention and almost homework to be able to play it well, to learn the keyboard shortcuts. And granted, I've been on consoles for many, many years now, so I'm only recently returning to PC gaming since I, since I built a very awesome quad-core, and I'm glad that I can actually play games on it once again. Uh, tell us how you and Troy played. Did you guys play cooperatively against the AI? Did you do any head-to-head -head games? We did not play against each other because he wanted to have mercy on my pride, 
<laughs> so we teamed up uh, against the AI. What was the first game we played? We played uh, in moderate difficulty against two other computer opponents, and I don't think uh, we did too well, did it was, we? It was kind of humiliating, uh, actually. I mean, I, the first time I played Rise of Nations in a long time, and even I had forgotten so many things, uh, so it did not go very well at all. Uh, but the great thing about the game is that I learned is that, I mean, Jen had done all the tutorials without me. She done campaigns without me. It's not like I was hand-holding her through this. She's a veteran. Uh, she doesn't need me to tell her what a tutorial is or where to find that or anything. Um, as is how often she saved my butt. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, reckon- consisted of, hey, could you attack them so they stop attacking me right now? She recognized that I was in trouble and knew how to do to get the other guys off my back, and it worked just fine. But um, I was going to play against her maybe today, but she didn't have the time for that. But... Uh, the handicap, of course. Now, do you guys agree? And, and Tiffany, uh, you are—you sound like one of those awesome, like tomboy girls. Uh, so you, you kind of might skew the, the answer for this. But do you guys agree that there is a different type of boy play and girl play? Because I hear you all talking about a lot of games mm-hmm. that, that boys obviously like, uh, and it makes me wonder. Well, you know, maybe my preconceptions about boy play and girl play aren't entirely accurate. And also, this would be a good time to bring in the issue of the, I mean, the big uh, elephant in the room is The Sims, which I think, Tom, the EA producer, said is 60% female audience, and is clearly a strategy game. Um, so what is, if that's the biggest, that's just the, it's the biggest strategy game, and also the biggest female strategy game, what does that say for notions of girl play and boy play? Is there such a thing? Um, I, I think a lot of what we have, um, the boxes that we've placed our games and our toys and, and everything um, that we, we give our children kind of growing up and, and, and what we do for our, our spare time. I think we really have put them into narrow, uh, narrow boxes or two small boxes and there's nothing inherent about The Sims that is going to appeal to a woman versus a man. I mean, uh, Tom, you were saying earlier something along the lines of, you know, as a woman, did you did this appeal to you or that appeal to you? That's a fallacious question to ask because, you know, there's nothing about being a woman that is going to make one thing appeal to me more than another. I mean, well, very little that's that's going to go along those lines. I'd say that her personality is going to make a lot more difference into what kind of games that she's going to like versus... You know, the fact that... I'm not trying to sound like I'm, you know, ranting feminist here or anything. I'm, I, that's not... Not that there's anything... There's nothing wrong with being a ranting feminist. <laughs> I, mean, I breathe fire and eat men. Um, but <laughs> I oh. think that... We, <laughs> we try to, um, you know, o- only girls get to play with dolls, only boys get to play with action. I mean, we put these, these barriers up. And, and they're not innate. They're something that we teach kids from a very young age. It's part of our society. It's part of our culture. But they're not things that are inherently innate in the gender. Well, can I can I just sort of throw out a quick counter, Laura? And I, I agree with you. And I, I certainly feel really dopey trying to say things like boy play and girl play. And I'm, I'm glad you guys are here to address that. But one of the things that I love about The Sims is, I, I mean, as you guys know, boys and girls, men and women, have in certain ways fundamentally different experiences with life. And I think, for instance, the experience of going to war and killing is something that is traditionally male-oriented. It's part of the male psyche. It's part of how men are told stories uh, versus the experience of childbearing. That is something that only women can fully understand. And it takes a game like The Sims, for instance, to 
fully bring, I, I mean, I can't think of many video games that address the experience of, of having children, uh, a uniquely female thing that men can't hope to understand in the way that, that you guys can. Well, okay, so a, a guy's not going to be able to experience birth firsthand, but he's going to know what it's like to be a father and what it's like to raise a child. And mm-hmm. that's what I, I meant by the whole idea of, you know, we put these things into very narrow boxes. There's no reason, you know, we are talking about it earlier, the hot Israeli soldiers, right? Um, you know, there's no reason women aren't, and plenty of women are going off to war and, and, and getting that experience. And there's more and more men who are taking over um you know, more active parenting roles and, and, and everything. Anyway, um, it's a good point, though. <laughs> and it's one of the reasons that I, I love The Sims. I mean, The Sims, there aren't many games that boy, that, and I hate even saying boys and girls, I mean, there, there aren't many games that address the experience of, of, of having and raising a child. And I love that The Sims does that. I, I think it's, it's an important part of the human condition that's been neglected in video gaming. Uh, and and I, I love seeing that opened up. Uh, and in a strategy game to boot. Um, I bet Tom's maternal instinct is kicking in here. So. <laughs> his his <laughs> biological clock is going off like a gong. No, I mean... I, oh, I totally have to jump in here because I cannot stand the sins. It bores me to tears. It's me like either. pain for tedium. And in terms of the whole action figures thing versus homemaking, mm-hmm. I have to confess, I had Barbies. And my Barbies teamed up with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to go take on the Joker. So just because you have those preconceived notions, uh, even for my parents, it was a little disconcerting at first, but they got used to the whole tomboy thing. Well, I just want to say I'm so glad to hear you guys sort of addressing this. I want to throw out another thing that I have that's a preconception, and I want to hear a little bit about where you guys stand on this. Because it's really easy for me as a dude to sit here and say this. But I think... You know, I've been playing video games for 20 years or whatever. In seeing video games go forward, right now I'm really proud of the advances they make in terms of telling stories and, and, and creating new worlds. And I think one of the biggest obstacles for video games going forward, and I'd be curious if you would agree with this or if it's just me being a paternal dude, uh, is the way that it, it treats and often alienates women. Uh, I think that that right there is is what's keeping us in this sort of cultural ghetto. Uh, and I would love to see that overcome. And I do see it overcome in some games. And that's one reason I'd love to talk about stuff like Bayonetta. Uh, but would you guys agree with that assessment or is that just me being a protective dude? Totally. Like, it's a huge thing to argue, though, because you have a lot of, um, you know, a lot of games that tell stories, you know, especially American developer-made games that tell stories where a girl is just a chick with boobs, and she's kind of, you know, there in the sidelines to be the chick. And that's her archetype as a, as a character is, I'm the chick. And then you've got, like, five or six guys with all different qualities, and they have different things. Like, I'm the jerk, and I'm the smart one. And, and it's like, but then there's always the chick. But then in you, if you play Japanese-developed games, you, you find that there are a lot less um, archetypes where it's like, this is the girl. Of course, it depends on the game. But most of the um, the role-playing type of games that you might find from Japan, and, and I'm sure everyone's played some of these, you have, you know, more than one girl that you can have in your in your group, your party, your army, whatever, or in the storyline, and she's got different, you know, different traits. She may be, you know, tall and strong, but kind of shy, or she might be abrasive and small and cute. But, you know, she's got attributes rather than a stereotype. 
Whereas with, um, you know, with American or Western culture-bound gaming, you tend to find things that still work within the mind of, you know, sales, where you're like, okay, well, we think that it's going to sell to this target audience better. You know, Wow, I could not disagree 30, more. Go ahead, Tess. 18 to 35, they, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to see a game where a girl is, you know, a, is, a, is a secondary character to a male. However, I do think that Tom, is, Tom has a point where things are starting to shift, and I think it's because gaming has become more mainstream, and people are kind of going, I'm kind of turned off by the whole Lara Croft thing. I'd really rather play someone I can relate to, and there's a lot more customizability coming forward, I think, even, even from the player end, um, than railroaded by the developer. Okay, now, so Laura, hold that thought. I want to hear what, sure. how, what your disagreement is. What I was going to say was that, you know, I totally disagree. I think that Japanese games are far worse about stereotyping feminine character or female characters than American-made games are. You look at something like Dragon Age. I mean, that's got some pretty good female characters in it. You look at Uncharted. Uncharted is... I, lo- I would marry Elena if I could. She would be... We would go... Off into the wilderness and raise chickens together. She's my favorite. I love her. Um, but then you compare it to something like Final Fantasy series or Bayonetta. <laughs> I mean, you've got the the whole virgin whore dynamic, and women are either the sexy, I'm so badass, I have no emotions whatsoever kind of, um, well, Bayonetta <laughs> kind of figure, <laughs> or they're healers, um, or they are mages who need rescuing. I mean, it, it's it's very, there's a very small number of roles that women get in... I have to disagree. I mean, okay. I've played every Final Fantasy game ever, including the ones that were never released in the United States. And if yeah. you play the Final Fantasy series, you're talking about, like, almost, you know, what is it now, like 15 different games. And it's it's totally different from one game to another, where you have a game like Final Fantasy X with a very strong female lead character. And, in fact, they felt that she was strong enough to carry her own game. We don't she talk about X. She wasn't strong. She I was a weenie. You. <laughs> I, I was a J-pop star. I hated Yuna. <laughs> I love Yuna, and I actually, I will support that. Yuna and Riku, by the way. Yeah. And I, I, would, I would be friends with either of those women, because a lot of crap people give about Yuna, they forget how she starts. She starts off with a heavy responsibility. Whereas you get, you know, the Final Fantasy XII, the princess character, I could slap her. Every time oh, I, oh, yeah, sure. I just, okay. like, shut up, shut up. You know, I just hit the button and I'm like, shut up, shut up. And she's just <laughs> still talking. I just, I hate well, her. They now. were all terrible in Final Fantasy XII. They were all, all of the female characters were, you know, that stereotypes. Oh, the bunny. That's, that's a Playboy bunny right there. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, they tried, but they failed. Yeah, I think Troy, Sophie was you? the only semi-redeemable character there. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just wondered if Troy is as lost as I am. <laughs> I have no idea who these people are. They might as well be talking about Japanese Chinese opera at this point. Okay, well, I will I will point out that the you know all three of us have played the Final Fantasy series. I'm assuming all the way through, and um, you know it, what I think is interesting about um, Final Fantasy is that it's very story-driven. And that's one thing that does not appeal to me about RTSs and a lot of the, the, com- the strategy computer games that are out there. Is that there's no story to it. There's no narrative to it. It's just army against army, tank against tank. And, um, you know, what 
I like about board games, strategy board games, is that I can impose a narrative on it. So, well, see, that's one of the things we like about strategy games in general here, and we've talked about it a couple of times, is how you do, playing Europa Universalis, you are imposing your narrative of a nation. In Civilization, you're imposing a narrative of a nation that you create and you develop and you own. How is that computer game strategy narrative different from whatever you're constructing in Settlers of Catan, where your narrative is then, I went to the market and I traded for some sheep? There's okay. no... Uh, well, for, for um, you know, in my case, when I'm sitting around a, a table... Uh, playing a board game right. with somebody, these we all become the characters. It is okay. it it is me against George against Dave against Jen. It, it's we are the people um, whose story matters. And, you know, there's not so much of the same sort of context when you're playing Civ. Yes, you're right. There is a narrative that you're building. You're creating a nation and, and everything, but it's so abstract. It's not the same as playing face-to-face with somebody. Well, it's not as personal. I mean, it's a narrative right. on a completely different scope that right. I think it takes this... You kind of, in a way, have to be a history wonk. Uh, you, you have to... You know, Troy's totally got that inbred in him. I have that. Uh, and I wonder, again, is that maybe a gender thing? Is that, that boys... And, I don't know, like a oh, boys... No. Uh, I, I, I don't this. think so. <laughs> I think if anybody has ever played Rome Total War, the second you get a flaming pig... You Google that. You're like, is that real? Is that history? Did they really do that? And they're like, oh yeah, they did. It used to scare the it used to scare the elephants in history. Granted, they only ever did that a couple times, but why not spend a game? So I don't really think you have to be like a history person necessarily, but I think a lot of women certainly are. Um, you know, I certainly enjoy history, and I, I liked um, playing Civilization and bastardizing all of history over and over again. Not and, bastardizing, and improving. Improving, yes, improving. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, they, they do take some liberties. Um, Eagle Warriors, for example, um, from, was it that the Aztecs had those or something? One of those, you know, uh, native Aboriginal groups mm-hmm. that they, that they elevated in one of the games. Yeah. And I was like, that's pretty cool. I, I didn't even know that. And, and so it sort of makes you more interested. But, you know, you walk around and you're like, oh yeah, I already know what a trireme is. You know, I could, I could build one just in my apartment, you know. <laughs> With my experience with, with Rise of Nations, I find I'm way too busy to build a narrative. There is so much going on that I'm trying to keep track of. I'm not thinking of them individually in terms of, of any kind of story. My plan is don't die. Yeah, and Jen, that's, a, that's an excellent point, I think, about real-time strategy games in general, is they rely so much on a multitasking mindset, sort of, and, and managing an economy and, and an army. I completely agree with you as far as, like, there's not a lot of narrative there. And I think it's a huge mistake when RTS makers want to tell a story and do that whole StarCraft yeah. thing. Uh, but I do think, so I, I am a little curious, though, when, when Laura talks about how there isn't that much of a narrative in, in strategy games. I mean, that's completely counter to, to my own experience. I mean, I think that a good strategy game like Civilization has every bit as much narrative as something like The Sims, but it's on a completely different scale. Uh, and, I, and I realize that's not gender-based. You know, you have exceptions like, like, like Tiffany. Uh, but that's, you know, it's addressing, it's addressing narrative at a different level, uh, I think. Well, to talk about something, uh, switching, do you consider tactical RPGs part of the whole strategy genre? You know what? That's a good question because that that is a that's those are very personal stories where they, they tell about they tell you about specific characters, but it's very sort of muckety muck strategy gaming 
detail-oriented, you know, they're battles. Yeah. You're basically just telling stories about characters only in the context of the battles and the cutscenes between them. Um, so I would be curious to hear, Jen, what your take is on, on these strategy RPGs, tackle RPGs, I guess. Well, I have been hooked on Final Fantasy Tactics on and off since, what was it, 91, 92 when the thing came out? No, no sorry, it would be 98, 97. But for them, you have the main character who tells his story. But everybody else, I get to create my own soldiers, and I went crazy nuts, and I built people with the same birthdays as my friends. And so I got to imagine how they were going through this world with the main character. And the reason I asked about the tactical RPGs is that I was wondering if you had ever played... Uh, it was on PlayStation 2, I think, or no, PlayStation 1, and released again recently on the DS, and it's called Rhapsody, A Musical Adventure. So it is the girliest game you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> it is, it is I really am not familiar with it. Oh, my uh, gosh. Well, oh, man, you attack people with pancakes. <laughs> and it, it's an SRPG. It's just a tactical RPG, but with it's, a, a... It's a tactical RPG light. It's, it's very nice, very simple. It is a musical, so Troy will love it. Woohoo! And, but you go through, and you're not a princess. You're just a regular town girl who does eventually meet a prince. This prince gets kidnapped by an evil queen, and you have to go save him. There are tons of well-developed female characters. Your best friend, as to not give you spoilers, is actually a puppet who talks to you, and she's her own character, her own person. I really loved all the characterizations in it. Well, you know, I have to say, Jen, part of, like, I love SRPGs, and I'm a little bit mystified that more hardcore strategy gamers like me and Troy don't get into them, yeah. because our intro to those games are, is the classic XCOM, yeah. uh, where you, you have a cast of characters. It's like you were saying, you name them after your friends. Uh, it's the same with Or XCOM. even better, you name, name them after your enemies and send them they, to death. Yeah, and the narrative is what happens to each of these characters uh, over the course of the storyline, and it's that same kind of thing that, that you get with SRPGs, where it's a, it's a mixture of battles, you know, combat mechanics, and intensely personal attachments to the characters in the battles. Well, I think that uh, solved the mystery for you, Tom. I think the main reason why a lot of people don't break into it is because some of the very best, um, you know, uh, I guess you're calling them tactical RPGs, but I would call them, like, strategy RPGs, because most of them are on consoles, the very best ones, and you guys are primarily, and I'm not, I'm, you know, I know you also play console games, you guys are primarily sold when it comes to PC strategy, so it's harder for you to be like, am I really going to try this stupid right. console strategy game I right. don't know anything about, whereas other people that maybe have more in interest or experience with consoles might be like, oh, I knew all about this coming out, and I know it's going to be great, and I go and buy it, and it's exactly what I wanted, this guy for example, is an amazing game, I would definitely call it a strategy RPG. Oh, absolutely. Not no, but it, maybe you guys haven't played it because it's, you know, it's on the PS. No, please, oh, no. no. I, I go way back with this guy. Yeah, and I think part of the problem, Tiffany, is that guys like me uh, have a hard time getting past the, the Japanese graphics. You know, they're, they're oh, yeah. so wrapped up in that sort of anime look that says to a lot of, you know, 40-year-old dudes, hey, that's for kids and manga and, and uh, whatnot. Uh, so I think that's the bigger obstacle. And, and once you get past that and see the, the gameplay, anybody who played XCOM would adore Disgaea. Uh, I, I agree. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, no aliens, but, you know, you've got those cute little penguins. And who needs aliens when you have demons? Pretty, dude, dude. Oh, you need those. Great. Those guys are awesome. <laughs> uh, I mean, so I, I have I, another uh, moderately condescending question I want to ask. Only uh, one? Really? <laughs> 
I've got, this is the latest one. Um, so uh, I know a lot of times uh, when you find women who are in sports, the assumption mm-hmm. is, oh, they obviously had an older brother or they got into it through their father. Uh, I would love to hear from each of you how you got into video games. Uh, because I'm curious, for my own condescending purposes, did this come through an, an older brother or a father, or is it something that you came to just a, of your own? Um, so apologies in advance for asking that. And uh, Jen, can we start with you? How did you come to this this weird boy-centric hobby? Well, uh should also point out I'm also a high-level athlete in terms of playing hockey with guys as well, so I've always been in that mindset. But I was born into a house with an Intellivision. So that was pretty much all it took. The Astro Smash is still one of my absolute favorite games. I can play that for hours. So, so that, that you grew up with it then? I, yeah, I was into in television, NES. Eventually, I put together my, my first computer, played computer games, and I've had literally every console since then. I and even you have a Neo Geo Pocket and a Virtual Boy. And you have a Neo Geo Pocket? I thought I, I was for owning a Neo Geo. <laughs> and, uh, and, 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 and Jen, you have a brother, but he's not as into games as you are. No, he was done with gaming <laughs> at about 10, and he's younger than me as well. So I, I was the one that. who was buying the magazines, buying the games, and making him play with me. Good. Now, now Laura, how did this happen to you? How did you come to this? How did this um, happen to you, he asked. <laughs> it happened to you. It's an affliction. You know, it really was. Uh, I grew up with a lot of male figures in my life, and, and many of them were, were gamers. So, yeah, I guess it was. But the thing is, that's a little unfair i wonder if that question would be different if you ask it in 20 years because 20 years ago 25 years ago everybody who played video games was a guy i mean it was it was all guys playing video games you didn't have you know a bunch of um women sitting down and playing barn's tale or, or whatever i mean you, you probably did but um the stereotype was that it was so well, and also, Laura, you didn't have EA wondering, you know, they didn't have a huge department trying to sell games to tween girls. You know, that's going to, how, how is that going to make the scene look in 10 years? And I think it's very encouraging. Or PopCap. I mean, you want to talk about hitting the female demographic. Let's, ah. let's talk about what they've done. Without having to start at tweens either, by the way. Yeah. You don't have to, like, yeah. get them at a young age when you're doing games as good as PopCap does, right? <laughs> uh, so, Tiffany, how did, how, did this, how did this happen to you? I um I had a boyfriend who played World of Warcraft and he needed me to you're, play some character. <laughs> you're playing a character right now, Tiffany. I don't believe a word you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, uh that that uh that implies time travel. Actually I did start playing a long time ago. I was I'm I'm about twenty eight just to get my gaming timeline set. And um my older sister bought a Atari and I had no idea why. I mean, maybe she just was bored. We lived in the sticks. We lived on a farm, and she had a she had an Atari. I was maybe three or four, and we were playing combat. We played four-player combat, and it was like the equivalent of playing GoldenEye. With my family, we were all just sitting there. You know, my, my brother became old enough. He's younger than me. He became old enough to play that. We loved it. We just had so much fun. Um, and then the new console, Nintendo, came out. And we were, like, begging mom and dad, bye, 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 bye. We need it, we need it, we need it. You know, if we don't get it, we'll die. You know, every child excuse you can come up with. And um, we started playing that and uh, got into it. My brother and I took turns when it was a single-player game. Um, he'd get into certain situations, um, especially the games got more sophisticated, like Super Nintendo and, and Sega Genesis and stuff like that on. 
and he would have a problem with, like, puzzle games and, like, figuring out where to go in, in mazes. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, over here. And he'd be like, where did you get that? Like, how did you go over there? I tried every single mathematical possibility, and I couldn't do it. And I was like, did you read the sign? And he's like, why would I read the sign? I'm like, the sign triggers the event that lets you do all, oh, really? Oh, man, he gets so mad. But then I'd get really frustrated jumping on crap. I hate platformers. It is my least favorite. First of all, <gasps> if you're oh, reading geez. the sign, no dude's going to read the sign. That's like asking for directions, please. It's true. And, and men, men have the worst ability to find things I've ever known. They need their own GPS chips, but they'll never admit it. So I'm probably starting another round of hate mail, but... Um, that, that's yeah. a, I have a special folder for the hate mail. Okay. Uh, well, leading off that question, because it's leading something that I'm curious about, because it's for some of you, it's about part of was you mentioned you had friends who played games and different types of games. Um, how important a, a, a peer group is for developing an interest in different types of games, and I've certainly found that throughout my career. That you know, having Tom rave about you know Harvest Moon, maybe go out and try to get a Harvest Moon game. And you're not just, that's not just an example, that's a literal truth, isn't it? That is a literal, literal, sad, depressing, angry truth. Uh, Growing up, different types of games, trade games through the college, uh, and you'd expose yourself to things different people liked. Um, How important, do any of you have peers, friends, uh, colleagues, uh, girlfriends, spouses, who are in strategy games? And is it part of it because you're not exposed to them? Actually, um, that's a that's a funny question you ask because uh, Julian was the one who really got me into board games uh, a couple of years ago. I had never really played much. You know, I played Risk as a kid. I played Monopoly, of course. But um, I went over to a Rabbit Con once on a lark, and I had so much fun. And it was to really that peer group that you're talking about. To clarify for audiences: Rabbit Con is a party that Julian has at his house quite regularly. But you mean that's not on the Urban Dictionary or something? <laughs> not yet. <laughs> so anyway, go Tell ahead. Me now. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's you know a weekend where it's just a bunch of uh, board games uh, all the time, twenty four seven. And drinking. And drinking, lots of drinking. Um, and that was really my initiation into the harder side of board games, apart from Crimean and Monopoly. And had Julian never exposed me, and had I never met all of these wonderful people who played, I never would have even imagined picking up a choir or Dominion or anything like that. For example, Jen, uh, since I just introduced you to the best RTS ever made, uh, <laughs> does this give you a hunger for other strategy games? I mean, we talk every now and then, you've sometimes joked about, okay, what's next, Professor, sort of stuff. Uh, but does this give you a greater interest? I mean, do you have any of your, do any of your peers uh, in the Canadian gaming media if there is such a thing. Um, are any of them into this? Is there a peer group? Or is it... Uh, well, I'm kind of on the outside. Uh, when I like, If I had gaming friends, I probably never would have started Open Alpha, and then I never would have been on television and met all of you wonderful people. Uh, my friends were just sick and tired of me talking about games, so I didn't have a big gaming family. My best friend plays games, and then I lost him to World of Warcraft years ago. I, I hope he's all right. But no, outside of the internet, I don't have that that gaming family. I'm kind of jealous of Laura there with the whole people to play board games with, because I know it's it's not the same when you're playing just over the computer with people. I have friends that play games, uh, and I think it, it was Paramount growing up. And uh, also Paramount now as an adult. When I was a younger kid, and, you know, I didn't own a computer until um, probably 
in the 90s. We picked up um, an MS-DOS. It was, like, 10 years old by then. But, like, you know, before that, we was all, you know, everyone was just, like, hearsay. So when we were playing games, you get stuck in a part where you want to brag about beating a game. You'd talk to your friends about it. And then they'd be like, whoa, really? You did that? And I'd be like, yeah. And they'd be like, cool. Or, oh, I can't get, I can't get through this part. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, you have to do this and this and this. And you'd be like, oh, okay. So before going on, you know, and Googling all of the walkthroughs and, and figuring out all of the maximum combos, you know, the best frame rates per action, you know, you could, um, you could just ask your friends. And now it's great because there's so many games being p- published. You, um, you really... I mean, you could just sit and read about it all day, or you could have a life and then ask your friends and be like, what are you playing that's good? And eventually it trickles It trickles down. I mean, if someone's playing something good, you know very quickly. If- but they didn't even play strategy games. It's just... Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, okay. Sorry, I guess I missed the point of the question. I thought I was talking about something else. Sorry, guys. Um, but, yeah, like, um, I, I actually thought I was the weird one since they were all still playing um, fighting games and, and like, Diablo and, and, you know, stuff like that, and I'm sitting here playing Sacrifice, and I'm going, what? This is the coolest game I've ever played. Um, uh, and played, you, are pro- uh, you are probably right. Yeah. Oh, man, I'd love to see another one of those. Dungeon Keeper, I'm, like, slapping my minions to death, sacrificing <laughs> them. I don't know if that counts as a strategy game, but it kind of has aspects, if nothing else. I'm right, just playing these Dungeon games. Keeper counts. I'm loving it, and people are just like, oh, you're playing that game. And I'm like thinking, that's because I'm, I'm a chick. It's a chick game. I understand. But, you know, my friends didn't really play that kind of stuff. So it wasn't until I grew older that I realized, oh, games like, you know, uh, Age of Empires and, and Civilizations and Heroes of Might and Magic and, you know, XCOM, Master Magic. I don't know how old you want to go with it. But um, that's, that's uh, kind of hardcore and kind of manly in that. That the way society looks upon it, you know, they think it has to be manly if it's hardcore. All of the Tiffany, girls I, here I love, laugh right now, by the way. But yeah. <laughs> I, I love what an outlier you are, Tiffany. It's wonderful. But I'm not. Tom, I <laughs> no, she really isn't. She really isn't that much of an outlier. I'm not. I sew. I cook. Uh, I do traditional female chores. But so I, do I. also enjoy. <laughs> yeah, see, it's, 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 you know, the it's gender no, I, I, are you, do you guys really think Tiffany, who, who knows what Master of Magic is, and yeah. who's actually played it? Who's played Sacrifice, for God's sake. Yeah, who's played Sacrifice. I mean, I think Tiffany comes from, it really is to me a, a, a lot about basically how old you are. Did you grow up with this? And girls now are growing up with this. But someone, uh, you know, who goes back as far as Tiffany does with traditionally hardcore strategy games, i, I got to say, that seems like an outlier to me. Uh, I don't think it... It is as unusual. It is not, um, pre- it's certainly not mainstream, but I don't think she is, you know, alone in this. Well, I, I think right. it's something that's something that people don't really, you know, women don't really talk about this kind of stuff. Tom, I got access to yard sales, and when I was a little kid, and, and even, even, even as a teenager and young adult, there is nothing to do where I am from. I lived <laughs> on a farm. There was no cable until I was 15. Cable TV. I'm not talking about cable internet. I was on dial-up until probably 99. So keeping that in perspective, you're, you're looking at a whole box full of computer games at a yard sale for five bucks, and you go, all right, I don't care what's in this. It's stuff to do. This raises an interesting question. I mean, what, what I don't want to ask you how old you are. Uh, that's pretty much the issue here. How, what are, how much is this a, a demographic thing as well we have to think about? Yeah. Because 
strategy gaming is also an aging demographic. No matter how much of your exposure to it or lack thereof is also partly uh, a factor of your ages. Well, I just want to say, like we said before, this is something that's clearly changing. You know, guys our age, Troy, who grew up with it, it's going to be a fact of life as, as boys get older. And I think that's definitely the case now with girls. Companies are selling games to girls. Right. They want their money, and girls are going to grow up with with video games. Right, but, uh, but will, will, will they be growing up? Will they up with strategy games? And that's what I'm getting at. The demographic where we're at. I mean, when you and I started playing games, strategy games kind of ruled the roost. And right. we're at a point well, we now gaming shooters. I mean, it was that was because it was the infancy of video gaming. You know, nobody figured out how to do a first-person shooter and RTSs. Uh, yeah, I mean, we right. were there from the beginning. So are we at a point now that part of the issue is that so many women are coming into gaming, which is great and wonderful, and which I applaud. And uh, but they're coming at it at a point where strategy gaming is, if not a spent genre, at least a minor genre. I think it's actually more than that. What, like I. Troll forums all the time. I read the gaming sites. I cannot, off the top of my head, think of any advertisements or, or big stories about the strategy genre unless it is something like, well, Plants vs. Zombies, if you want to count the tower offense, or like the Command and Conquerors, Red Alerts, the StarCraft. Those get tons of coverage. But on the other side of things, like, unless you're looking for it, it might be a little hard to find. Yeah, we're, we're a smaller piece of the pie these days. Uh. So just as, just as as the demographic pie gets bigger, the gaming pie for strategy games gets smaller. Well, and there, as there are new genres. And, go ahead. Well, you know, you you brought up the the point that the strategy gaming demographic is is an older demographic. It's it's not really a frenetic type of gameplay here. So um, you. If you're looking for tween girls who are going to give up their Bratz games and go for you know, Command and Conquer, that's just not going to happen. Always. And I don't know if it's because they're tween girls or because they're 13. And, you know, it's not really... Strategy gaming is more for the kind of person who has the um, maturity to be able to, to think of the long game and to, to think, you know, three moves ahead... <laughs> And uh, <laughs> you like what I did there? <laughs> um, I don't know that little kids are really, or teenagers, um, are going to be the huge demographic here. Well, a brand new world where people stop playing Bratz and play other games with more substance. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me, you guys mentioned the Bratz thing. So I, here's something else that I'm really curious about that only you guys can address. Uh, for instance, uh, I think it was Laura, you were saying that you wanted to run off and raise chickens with Elena from Uncharted. Was that you, Laura, or Jen? I forgot. Or Tiffany. Elena. Oh, Elena, yes. That wasn't me. That was, that was okay. me. I totally want to go raise chickens with Elena. There. And, and Laura, I completely agree with that. Elena is, to me, uh, a best-case example of an awesome female character in a video game. I love what Amy Hennig created there. I love what the actress Emily Rose created. Uh, and and I think it's important to mention that you just said, you know, Amy Hennig created yeah. it. Because it's a, you know, females know... There's not a lot of female developers out there, but that's a whole different discussion for another time. Go on. And and I, I mean, I I just you know I see Amy's name and I perk up. I mean, I want it. She's a great developer, regardless of whether she's a dude or a kick. Uh, I, I think she does great work. So so here's the thing that now then what happened was Uncharted Two came out and they had Chloe. Chloe yeah. to me, I hate Chloe. I don't want her in the game. <laughs> I don't think she's a very well 
created character. I think there's a lot of gratuitous Buddhism with like how the camera focuses on her ass, and she even talks about her ass a lot. And and to me, I think that's I, you know what, get her out of there, bring Elena back. She was awesome. I'm disappointed in Uncharted Two, partly because of the character of Chloe. So I am curious what offends you guys and maybe even offend is too strong a word but what bothers you guys when it comes to how women are portrayed in in video gaming bayonetta i can't stand bayonetta i want to be her why does bayonetta offend you so first of all real quick uh have you played bayonetta i have I have. Okay. I, I played about an hour worth, uh, an hour's worth of it, and it's not that I'm offended by it because that assumes that I'm like somehow insulted by this. Right. But it's just so off-putting. I don't even. What What really kind of got me was when she did a stripper move as she was shooting all of the angels in the graveyard. She did like this. This pole appeared, and right. she shot. <laughs> oh yeah! Like out pole. of the, the high heels. Oh my god! That was that was it. Um, you can do that you, a lot more later on in the game. It's the over-the-top sexualization of the character. It's Yes, it's the Chloe effect. You know, you don't need this. Women can be sexy without throwing their boobs and their high heel or throwing out their stripper moves or whatever. Elena, I think, is one of the sexiest characters out there. Farah. Farah from the original, um, not the original, but the, the Prince of Persia, Sands of Time. I thought she was very phenomenally sexy. And yes, she was dressed in, in skimpy clothing or whatever, but she was also very clever and she was very good at what she was you know, designed to be doing. So, Okay, okay I, I want to come back to Bayonetta in a minute. Cause I, Can I, I talk really about wanna... Bayonetta? Yeah, yeah. So, but, but first, I, I want to hear from Tiffany and I want to get back to Bayonetta, but I want Tiffany and Jen to also talk a little bit about what offends them yeah. or what, what bothers them. And then I definitely want to talk about Bayonetta because I, I, I'm curious to explore that a, a bit more. Uh, but first of all, so Jen, what would you say, and offend again is too strong a word maybe because it, it opens you to charges of, oh, you're oversensitive. And I don't mean yeah. there, like what, what bothers you or what, what puts a bee in your bonnet or whatever when it comes to uh, the, the portrayal of women in video games. Jen, does anything come to mind for you? Well, uh, when you asked a question, I started scanning my game shelf to see what jumps out at me. And amazingly, Super Mario Brothers Wii kind of jumped out. See, we've got Peach who gets kidnapped, fine, I'm used to that, whatever. <laughs> But you also have Daisy, and you couldn't even toss in, like, a female toad there for the rest of us. Like, just, there was no option to to be a girl in Mario. Mario Kart, Mario Party, no problem. But an actual adventure, you don't get the option. And that's important okay, to you. Okay, Mario 2 on the NES. <laughs> but that, that gender identity is important to you. If you're going to be in a game, you want to be able to be a girl in a game? Is that... Uh, it does. I was disappointed in Crackdown, the initial one where you couldn't even be a female agent in the DLC because they didn't want to redo the models. And oh, Ghostbusters. yeah. Oh, my God, Ghostbusters. That female character drove me off the wall. And, and, and you love Ghostbusters. I do. I played the crazy... Oh, man, I, I love that game. But wait, wait, you can't be a chicken Ghostbusters, right? Or can nope. you? No, okay. no. The, the girl was just very annoying. Uh, the voice acting wasn't helping, and she was just there to be a plot device. Okay, all right. So, uh, Tiffany, you seem to be sort of the, the, the most tolerant, well, not most tolerant, you, you seem to have, like, you have no problem with Bayonetta. Is there anything about the portrayal in, of women in video games that, that, that bothers you? Too? Like, what, sure. what gets under your skin? Sure. Um, I, the reason I like Bayonetta, the reason I don't hate her, she's a, she is over-sexualized. I cannot, I cannot argue with that. She, whenever she does certain things, you know, we, we've all done this, you know, since her hair is her clothing, you know, she gets a little undressed. But I, I don't have a problem with sexualization. 
because I don't see any problem with female sexuality. But what bothers me is when that's the only thing there to carry a character through. For example, I'm going to go there, Lara Croft, okay? I played Tomb Raider, very fun games, original ones. The, the later ones, I could, I could kill myself to play them again. But, you know, I, I, um, I really did like them. But they, they dropped the ball. They've got this really cool idea of a person who is kind of an archaeologist, kind of a female Indiana Jones, and you don't get a lot of character out of that. There's not a lot of uh, development, a lot of personality. They could have really done some cool stuff with her and made her super smart and super interesting, and I just didn't feel about the character. And also, another thing, because, I mean, I don't mind the sexuality of, of Lara Croft. That's fine. I actually don't have a problem with that. But, but one of my, my, my big pet peeves is when you have a character that, that all that carries them is being cute or being pretty or being sexual, and there's nothing behind it. It's just this vapid, gaping hole where there should be a character. And I also agree with Jen that gender identity is nice. I mean, I like to play um, the Harvest Moon games, and a lot of them you can only play men, mm-hmm. and then you have to woo women. So, I mean... You know, if you're if you're into girls or if you're bisexual, that's totally one way. But would it be cool to be a girl doing that if you're if you're of that orientation? But if you're not, then wouldn't you like to be a girl looking for guy or girls or whatever? But still, you could be a girl. And the girls that they let you play in later series are just kind of like brown haired, plain clothes, and the guys have cool spiky hair and neat outfits. And I'm like, what a jip! I would love to have like. <laughs> a sweet haircut with, like, pink hair or, like, you know, um, spikiness or a cool dress or a cool jumpsuit or a cool shovel. I don't know. Whatever they want to throw at you. For the record, yeah. for the record whenever I first met Tom, he was carrying a cool shovel. I want a cool shovel. I could go get one, but, you know, that'd be work. Uh, now, Laura, you just mentioned what I think is a very important character, and I'd like you to bring yeah. her up for the, the podcast. Who did you just type into Skype here? Oh, of course, Jade from Beyond Good and Evil. For everything that Lara Croft wasn't, Jade came in and, and supplied. She, I think, is one of the best female characters ever created. Um, and, you know, hopefully we'll see more of her in, in the sequel that may or may not be coming out. But, um, you know, she was, she was smart. She's gorgeous. She is capable. She doesn't, you know, she doesn't... And this is something that I thought was very important... Um, she's not a lone wolf. I have to do it on my own. A very, uh. you know, she, she has companions that she travels with. She does rely on other people, but she's more than capable to do things on her own as well. And I thought she was just an excellent role model. Um, if you want to talk, if you want to go there in terms of female characters, but, um, she's just a very likable person. Now, something I think when you, we were talking about, um, you know, I wish that there were more female uh, characters to play because, yes, that actually bothered me about Super Mario Brothers too. that there's no princess character, no, no female character I could play. Um, I think there's a fear that male, and, and this goes back decades, um, that male players will not want to play female characters. And But aren't all the female avatars in World of Warcraft men? Well, because you get to look at a, a tight little butt as you're wandering around. Oh, the... boy. I have something to let you guys in on. I don't know if everybody already knows this or not, but do you remember the shortest-lived MMORPG ever? And this was Tabula Rasa. Do you remember when it first came 
to production attention where they had all these really artsy, like, chicks and, like, cool weapons that were, like, totally innovative. Do you guys remember that? They had a cover on CGM about this a long time ago, and I remember it because it was one of the most beautiful covers we've ever had. And um, they totally redesigned Tabula Rasa through development because through playtesting, they said none of the guys want to play this game because the only avatars that look good are the female avatars and all the... Really? I thought that having really hot female avatars would sell. They're like, no way. So we had to butch everything up. So when they released Tabula Rasa, everyone looked super drab and militaristic. And anyone who's played an MMO knows that you have to have a cool-looking avatar. So (laughs) the inability to do that, I think, was one of the things that doomed that game, other than gameplay and stuff like that. You know, they they had a totally different direction. (laughs) They did. They had a totally different direction going into it. And it, it was very um, it had a high concept. It had a lot of really amazing art. And I, I really liked the way that they were going with it. I was ready to buy that game. But then when they actually released what they had done to their game, I had no interest. I was like, this is, this is just drab, ugly stuff. I can point, it. though? I'm sorry, go ahead, Jen. My point uh, was that the, the avatars were dropped because they looked too feminine, and none of the men wanted to play them in playtesting. Right. And, but, uh, you know, Jen? Well, so to, to bring up uh, for MMOs, what do you think of Ion then and the models in, in that game? Because they all look spectacularly beautiful. If you're familiar with Ion at all, it's a sort I'm, of my, that's, that's my husband's latest, uh, my, his latest thing is, is Ion. I'm looking at them and I'm thinking, you want to play an angel? Really? But... <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think, what, Laura, you mentioned the whole issue of do dudes want to play chicks? And, and I think one of the most shameful episodes of that uh, is that one of the commonly perceived reasons that no one lives forever didn't do better as a first-person shooter oh, God. was because you were, you were, it had a female lead character. And Kate Archer, you guys talk about Jade. Uh, I think Kate Archer, we, I, we could probably all agree, she was also a fantastic female protagonist. Um, And and the accepted wisdom is that the reason those games didn't do too well is because back then boys played first-person shooters and they didn't want to be a chick. Uh, But I think that's an area where we're seeing a big change. And Bayonetta is an example of that. I think Bayonetta is doing very well. Um, And even though, Laura, I think you're you're not real happy with that portrayal as a character, I I think we're seeing a very different thing. You can have a lead character in a game and unlike we think happened with No One Lives Forever, it's not necessarily going to harm the game's choices. Uh, yeah, I, but, I, I, I'm not, you know, it sounds like I'm hating on Bayonetta here, and I, I, I realize it's a silly, over-the-top game. You're not supposed to take it seriously. i got to preface that. But it's, I also want to say, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. It's stupid. <laughs> it's well, you know what, it is stupid, it is stupid, and Bayonetta is definitely comic book uh, material, and it's silly, and I don't think it's supposed to, there, there's no realism there, but I think there are some very important things in Bayonetta that, uh, that if you were to explore it further, I think you might see there's a little bit more to it than just the hypersexuality. Uh, the, the, the people who made Bayonetta are basically the same people who made Okami, uh, and I think they're above and beyond just throwing her in there as a pair of breasts. They do some really cool things with uh, exploring the contrast between her and the male protagonist, who you probably haven't met yet. Um, they they do some really cool things with her maternal instinct, you know, how she reacts to, to children. Uh, I, I think uh, there, there's a lot more to Bayonetta than is apparent on the surface, and certainly a lot more that's apparent 
from the way they market it. And I think yeah, that's the bigger problem. If, if they're going to do these interesting things with the character, why uh-huh. wrap it in this hyper-sexualized image? I, that is off-putting right. to some I, people. I agree. And I think that right there gets to the heart of the matter, is that video gaming is still regarded as a pastime for stupid boys who want to look at breasts. Uh, and I think the marketing of Bayonetta is a perfect example of it, but the actual execution of Bayonetta is a better example of how I think things are changing a little bit. It's not just I the women in that game either. A lot of the men are, are um, hyper-masculized or idealized too. I mean, it's just it's the same as, as comics. You have um, all of the characters are just perfectionized. And I, I, I don't see any reason why she can't be like, you know, um, a milfy, you know, panther witch with gun boots. You know, and especially when that when that, one of the, one of the male protagonists in the game is a long-haired, prissy, flower-wielding, um, vengeance-seeking moron. Yeah, he's totally an idiot. Yeah, he's he's, he's the equivalent of how he's the equivalent Tiffany of how women have been portrayed in video games for a long time. Isn't it nice? And I think it's an intentionally subversive gender role. Uh, and I think that the people at Platinum know what they're doing, but that doesn't come across in the marketing. And someone like Laura isn't going to appreciate that in the first hour of the game. And I wish that that was something that was more apparent about Bayonetta. Uh, can I throw out a couple of other female characters that I'm curious if you guys have, have encountered? Are they in um, strategy games? Shoot. Actually, yeah. one of them is. Let me first <laughs> throw out, this was my favorite game of the year. It's a real-time strategy game, and I love what they've done with one of the female characters. Uh, have any of you guys? Do any of you guys know about Ophelia in Brutal Legend? Oh my God, Brutal Legend! Can we talk about Brutal Legend? <laughs> I have never yes. played Brutal Legend. I hear I'm missing out. Tom, didn't okay. you love that game? Like that was the like, game of the year. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was my favorite was like, game of the year. I want to be that game. In fact, that game is my life. I, I read your <laughs> review of it, um, and and I was just like, wow, Tom likes a game. That's different. So, <laughs> Time to time. Uh, so, so Laura, tell me. So, so you do know Brutal Legend? You, you've, oh you've, my God, I loved Brutal Legend. I, I'm a Tim Schafer fangirl through and through, though. I'm curious that you picked Ophelia and not Lita, though. I, I find that interesting. Maybe because Ophelia got more screen time, but Ophelia was, uh, I, you know, I could sort of give it, give or take her towards the, the later half of the game. Um, but well, I like let me Lita. explain real quick why. Let me explain why I pick Ophelia, Ophelia, and I'd be curious how you react. Uh, first of all, I'm going to say that what we're going to say about Ophelia is kind of a spoiler. Uh, okay. But if you haven't played Brutal Legend by now, you, you've missed the spoiler boat. The yeah, thing I'll live. Don't worry. Uh, okay. So the thing that appeals to me about Ophelia is that she is a woman scorned. And it, it explores what happens after a woman has had her heart broken and been unjustly accused of something she didn't do. Uh, yeah, she and, goes and tries to commit suicide. Yeah, that's she real. Try, she succeeds, and then she comes back from the dead and becomes the enemy, basically. Uh, she is redeemed in the end, but I, I, I thought that was an, an interesting way to... I mean, she is the uh, Ophelia from Hamlet, basically. She She's is wrong. the Ophelia she from Hamlet, and I never liked her either. <laughs> I mean, it's, <laughs> it's the weakest, most cowardly way out of that okay. sort of situation is to commit suicide. I mean, that is... What women have, it, it's the same sort of behavior patterns that have been ascribed to women throughout the past 30 years of gaming, you know? I, I just got really frustrated with her at that point. Um, but she but, did you like know, I know Lita. that it had to happen. What? But you did like Lita, though. Like, Lita is the tougher one who perseveres beyond her brother's death. Uh, so, so I think she's they're... She's the one who rises above. She's the one who takes, 
because uh, bad stuff happens to her too, but she's the one who takes it in stride and, and, and becomes a better person out of that. Um, mm-hmm. I realized that Ophelia had to do the thing she did to get the plot moving. You know, it's, it's interesting you bring up Brutal Legends because I liked that game in spite of the RTS elements. I sure. thought they were terrible. Well, and a lot of people, I mean, that that's a common complaint about the game is yeah. that a lot of people didn't realize they were signing up to play an RTS. They thought it was going to be an open world action game. So uh, I think yeah. the more stealth RTSs we release on the market, the better for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, the only so way we can win. I, I do want to throw out, then, here's a game that is not much of a game. As a matter of fact, I would think as, as a video game, it's pretty terrible. It's a small indie thing, uh, and it features only female characters. Uh, have any of you seen The Path? Oh, I have heard of it, but yes. not in a positive way. Okay. Because The Path, the problem with The Path, it's a small indie. It, it's a husband and wife team of Belgian developers. Um, and, and to me, The Path is... Uh, it's a nightmare about the experience of being a girl, and not a woman, a girl. It's, the six characters are all different phases of uh, basically female development, I guess you could say. Uh, and there's not a lot of gameplay to it, but there's, a, there's just some incredible imagery and poetry. Uh, and I, I, I cannot wait until a mainstream game can talk about, can have female characters like you get in the past. Uh, we should probably bring some of this topic back around to what the listeners have subscribed on to, which is strategy game. This is a great conversation. I don't want to lose it altogether. This is going to be the Tom's sexist question here. The things you say you value in a game, you know, character and narrative and female roles, this all sounds pretty girly girl to me. Well, what about killing stuff? I mentioned that multiple times, Troy. That's one of my favorite things in all of games is, you know, the aspect of killing stuff. How much do you get to kill? What cool powers do you get to kill right. them with? What amount of carnage do you do? For me, that's as important as narrative, depending on what game I'm playing. I mean, it depends on the genre, obviously. If right. I'm playing an RPG, I might be more interested in the narrative. But if I'm grabbing a bunch of guys, telling them to go over and destroy this camp, I want to see explosions. Right. I am much more interested in uh, the puzzle aspect. If the game has a good mystery or a good puzzle, um, and, and, and in that sense, I, I consider strategy games to be a puzzle to be solved. Right. Um, yeah. Then it'll keep my attention. So, um, I sort of lost the train of thought there. You, you'll edit that out. Too, yeah. Right? You know, I would though. I would like just take issue with the whole premise of the, the question. Troy. I mean, I know what you're getting at, but I think the same the things that men look for in games are the things that women look for in games, and that's that's mm-hmm. good games, and we yeah. all have our preferences for different things, like Laura talking about the puzzle aspect and Tiffany's joy of killing. I mean, I think those are kind of universal. Anybody can appreciate those, but when they're done well. Uh, Yeah, totally. And I wouldn't have mentioned Rhapsody just because it's a girly, cute game. I mentioned it because I really enjoyed the game. The fact that it happened to be all girls was just bonus. Well, let me, yeah. like, I, I even agree, like, Jen, for instance, the Cooking Mama series, I love those. And they're, they're traditionally, oh, it's girly, girly stuff, but I love the idea of let's play a quick little, it's almost like WarioWare, let's play a, a quick little, uh, you know, 60-second mini-game, and it progresses through that, and, and we've got this really charming, crazy, wacky female character in it. I mean, I, I, it's a perfect DS game, uh, and I, I wish dudes weren't so turned off by it as, like, a chick game. Um. You, you asked the question just a few minutes ago, Tom. Um, you know, character narrative; these are very girly things. Are you? That was me. Saying, that was that was me. I'm sorry. Um, 
so, so Trey, are you saying that you don't? Oh no! I mean, I I, lo- I mean, I'm a, I'm a big RPG guy. I mean, I love RPGs. But when you talk, when you get a bunch of guys talking about games, very often they'll fall back on the idea: well, stories aren't games. Now, stories are there. Now, don't the gameplay forget about it? Um, they don't. So when you hear people talk about narrative, a lot of guys seem to assume: well, this is something that you know girls are interested in books and reading. And I'm, and here I am, you know, quoting Sondheim musicals. Look, I have any. <laughs> to say about this sort of stuff. Uh, but there's just a stereotype, right? The stereotype of men playing games, women playing games, and the things that you're interested in, character and narrative, and things that I'm interested in as well. Right, that's kind a of terrible st- question. It is a terrible <laughs> question. All right. Well, I couldn't just, I mean, even, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to cut off the, the women in the podcast who I'd much rather hear from, but how dare you? <laughs> I, you know, as a guy who's totally into video games, narrative is so important to me. And narrative is where I'm most proud of how video games are progressing. I mean, I think that that's... Yeah, but, 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 but you're a critic, Tom. And you know very I'm well... I'm not a critic. I'm, you know what? No, I'm a guy who likes stories. I'm a guy who, who likes to go to different places when I play a video game. I mean, I, I think anybody who... who as as do I, but I'm just taking the devil's advocate position here. You could, I okay. mean, you, no, I'm you, sorry. You, I didn't mean to I mean, jump in. You run a gaming forum. You can't say you haven't seen, you know, people jumped on the idea of storytelling and narrative as being not important parts of games, as being not, not as interesting as a good uh, physics model or a good graphics model. Or but how does that come the, anywhere close to being relevant to gender, though? I mean, that's not really something... Like, I'm not seeing I, any connection. Yeah, I'm, I've always seen that connection. But like I said, I'm an idiot. I mean, I've always... Because <laughs> part of it... This is, this is, this is, this is, well, no, part of it is because... It, part of when I started this, when my, one of the opening things I raised is this idea that you know, strategy games are predominantly male is largely born out of, you know, the idiot factory, which are internet gaming forums which are predominantly male in any case. So it's a selection effect. Okay, guys participate in internet gaming forums. Does that mean that, you know, it's it's a selection effect? It is. It is a a selection effect, but I think developers read this, designers read this, producers read these. I mean, this is where they don't don't do real market research, but it's where they get the word on the street type stuff. So how many of our ideas and impressions of gaming, game markets, what women want, what men want, is based on this artificial, bizarro world of the gaming internet forum? Um, Probably a lot of it, since most of the... I mean, I've trolled forums, but I don't usually post on them because it's usually just drivel, 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 drivel. And I, I just have no interest. I have way more things to do. I could be reading something online about games from someone who has more intelligent things to say than trolling forums. And normally the only time I ever go to a forum is if I'm encountering some kind of a bug and I'm thinking if I check the forum, maybe someone else has figured out how to fix it or, or, or has, you know, patched it or something. Right. And that's really it. I, I never go otherwise. It's, it's just, it's like deciding I'm going to go to the, garbage dump and live, live there. There's no point. It's gross. Jen, you mentioned the RTS stereotypes. Uh, you, you were typing something about that. Is that. Are you talking about the, the sort of online culture behind real-time strategy games? Uh, yes, online culture. And uh, just to preface this, I am friends with the Pironage guys, so I'm not dumping on them. But are you guys familiar with the show Pironage? It's also be on Canadian television in a few months, so I'm really proud of that for making the jump from web to television. Uh, I'm not familiar with it. What is it? Not at all. Okay. Uh, it is uh, a web series, narrative-based. It's all uh, it's all scripted. And basically, it's about the adventures of Jeremy, who is an uber gamer. He is all about the RTS. It's the best genre in the world. And 
it's all about owning noobs and like I said, Uber Micro is the term. You may, you may have heard uh, Boom Headshot, because that's from their show as well. So it's basically gamer stereotypes, and the RTS stereotype is not positive. When you look at that Jeremy character in isolation of the whole narrative, you don't, he's not a guy that you want to play with. It's not fun. It would kind of crush your experience, especially if you were somebody new, and then you'd probably never want to play again. So this is something kind of like the guild, except about real-time strategy games? Is that the idea? Uh, not exclusively. It's about gaming in general, but when you're introduced to Jeremy, it starts oh, off with the real-time strategy. Well, that actually, I, I think online real-time strategy game is a notoriously dude-centric, newbie-hostile culture. <laughs> I completely yep. agree. I mean, I, I, it's, it's disappointing to see that they go with a stereotype, you know, if they're going for the low-hanging fruit, but playing RTS is line is, is, can be a terrible experience. And I think it's one of the reasons, actually, that the genre is hurting uh, and evolving. It's changing away from that, I think. Um, well, that and less people are playing um, Warcraft 3 online, now. I mean, they're playing World of Warcraft. Well, we'll, we'll see when StarCraft 2 comes out. Maybe they'll uh, reignite some of that. Well, there's also uh, the Edge of the Ancients, uh, League of Legends, Heroes of New Earth. Those have a, a pretty decent install base right now. And Demigod. Don't forget Demigod. <laughs> and battle, battle for Westnoff. It's totally free. Go play it if you haven't. It's, no, it's don't, 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 don't play Battle of Westnoth. Oh, I love it. Hex-based. Oh, you love the hexes, Troy. You know it. It takes more than a hex for me now. <laughs> oh, it's good. There, there was a time when a hex would be enough. but. <laughs> oh, it's been a long time since I played a hex-based strategy game. And I have to say, Battle for Westnoth was good. Um, one of my old, I was in a band over the summer, like a, you know, not a rock band, a real band. And one of my bandmates was like, oh, you like games? I was like, yeah. He's like, have you played Battle for Westnoth? I'm like, no, what is it? He's like, it's a strategy game. I'm like, sold. And I went and I downloaded it, and I figured it'd be easy and crappy. It was really good. So I don't, I don't care what Troy has to say about it. I actually really liked it. Laura, how can you not say that Tiffany is an outlier? What? <laughs> She's heard of Battle She's of Westnoth. She really isn't. <laughs> I'm not. I really didn't think so. Um, I posted you know, gaming parties at my house where only women are allowed. And the reason I've done this is so that some of the hardcore women can play, but also some girls that maybe haven't played certain games can come into an environment where they won't fear being judged by men as oh, you, you, crappy you, gamers. You have your own so, shoot club. Kind of, but we play everything. We uh, So any last words, uh, panel? Sure. I think that what's important um, you know, when it comes to discussions about gender in, in games is that, you know, there... There used to be the idea that, well, there still is the idea that games um, are spreading out in demographics that we've got older gamers now, we've got female gamers now, we've got girl gamers, we've got boy gamers, we've got... Soon everybody's going to be a gamer. Everyone. It's just going to be coming down to what games they play. In the same way that everybody watches movies or everybody reads books, everyone is going to be a gamer. So I think discussions like these are going to one day just be obsolete. Um, yeah. maybe not when it comes to strategy games, but when it comes to just mm-hmm. games in general, oh, well, why don't girls play more video games? I, I think in 15 years, nobody's going to be asking that question. Yeah, well, that, that's why I didn't ask that question. <laughs> 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 I didn't ask the question why girls don't, because I know people I know you do. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been able to find you. Well, I just want to say before we sign off, I just want to say that... Uh, uh, I think the first step that it really took, I mean, having grown up with video gaming as a stupid boys club, and uh, it's so nice to see that changing. And I think for me, one of the first steps is 
people like you guys. It is so important, I think, that we have women writing about their experiences with games, talking about their opinions, talking about what they do and don't like, uh, and that's a crucial step to video gaming sort of coming around and realizing, hey, we're doing stupid things and it's alienating certain people, and we can change that. Uh, and then from that, women get involved in the development of games, and I, I just, I, I'm so glad that you guys are around talking about video games because I think that's, that's just crucial to where we go from here, is that there need to be more women talking about video games, writing about video games, participating in the discussions. So, I'm Especially with such a variety of experiences and backgrounds. I wish you guys were all in the same city because, man, we could have some sick gaming parties. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, if you guys are ever in Los Angeles, uh, call in to shoot club sometime. Thursday nights. Join us. Tiff, Jen, any last words? Uh, no, I, I'm really enjoying my Rise of Nations experience. And even though I was playing it specifically for this podcast, I'm actually going to keep playing it. I'd like to try the single-player campaigns and maybe one of these days actually beat Troy. I think we should do a, a versus game and invite Jen to join us. Hey, I'm game. What do you think, Tom? Do you have the Rise of Nations gold? Uh, I called Jen for my team. I, I, <laughs> think, I, think, I think you made the right call. You can have her. Aww. Uh, you away already. I get to talk to you all the time. Uh, Tiffany, any final words? Last words? Okay, last words. I think um, one of the things that you said in, um, on, on the beginning, I think we can end with this. You know, when you had said that, you know, any time that you get women on, this, on the podcast or on television or on anything, they feel the need to, to qualify themselves. And I think it's because there's still kind of this weird bias about girls and games like we're some kind of like last unicorn thing you know and and we we're like this mystical beast and we don't really exist but but we really do and we feel the need to justify i think maybe because even though today there are more women playing maybe when we started or maybe during certain experiences in our lives we we had people questioning it like and now it's sort of like becoming a little bit more mainstream you know but Girls can definitely be just as good at games as men. It's just a matter of more women need to play games, more women need to practice. And that's the advantage men really have. It has nothing to do with the dangly bits and everything to do with practice and exposure. And the more that women have that, the better. And, you know, girls that play brats will probably play other games one day. So I don't disparage the game one bit. Just, just saying. I'm I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't play it, but but it's it's certainly going to be like a gateway drug. It's going to be the marijuana of games for some women, and that'd be great to see women. You know, one day the way Lara had had explained it, that women are just going to be playing games. It's just going to be preferential, like movies. I like that yeah. a lot. I, I agree. Uh, I, I'm I hoping think... that all the people who play iPhone games will eventually migrate to other consoles and the PC, because that'd be a nice market to tap into. I'd love to see it. I agree the demographics are changing, and I'm really glad you guys uh, sat around uh, for this long, for which is probably our longest show. There will be a little bit of editing uh, probably in there to bring it down to under uh, the 90-minute mark I was shooting for, but maybe not. This was a wonderful discussion, one of my favorite shows of the year so far, and I hope we can have some, if not all of you, back sometime in the future to talk about games in general and not just about your lack of dangly parts. <laughs> hey, now. To use a Tiffism. Thanks again, Tom. Thanks for leading the discussion. Did a great job. Oh, I, I didn't lead any discussion. I just stuck around. Thanks you to the, the, the women who joined us today. Thank, Thank you, you Jen. Thank you, Lara. Thank you, Tiffany. Anytime. You're always welcome. Please listen and please read and please comment uh, because I'm sure we'll get a lot of comments. 
on this post, I hope. And thank you all for listening, for being patient with us. I'm Trey Goodfellow, your host. Have a good week.